0: My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flack. Episode 201, Recess. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is April 8th, 2021, and I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about recess. But before we get to go outside and talk about playing... We're going to stay inside and spend a few minutes on this week's Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Now, I had planned three parts for my 200th anniversary, but uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to align schedules With Jeff over the past uh, week or two, who I had planned to interview on part three of episode two hundred, so I will delay that for the time being, and we will move forward with the podcast. And uh, hopefully, in the near future, I will get a chance to interview Jeff, and we will just slide it in as a new episode of You Don't Know Flack. Uh, Speaking of the two hundredth episode of You Don't Know Flack, I got a lot of great feedback from everyone. I uh, was mistaken. I thought initially that people would really love the interview and not love the retrospective. Uh, I personally was looking mo- more forward to the retrospective part than the interview, but I think both parts came out pretty well and I got positive feedback for both parts. So thank you guys for sticking with me on all these episodes so far. And thank you for listening to that retrospective episode. I got a lot of positive feedback, but one of the uh, most interesting, I suppose was from a listener Delta Lima two one two, who is a listener in Ireland and occasionally calls the flack podcast hotline, which you uh, should know the number by now. It is area code four zero five four eighty six Y D K F. And uh, Delta Lima two one two left a voicemail telling me how much he enjoyed the show, and I was able to take the voicemail because it goes to Google Voice and send it uh, to Andy who was able to listen to it. And I think he was just uh, pleased as punch. He was super thrilled that, uh, uh, he couldn't believe that someone in Ireland, uh, had listened to my show and heard his interview. Sometimes I can't believe people in Ireland <laughs> listen to my show, uh, and enjoy the interview. So that was a, a really fun treat. So thanks everybody again for all the positive feedback. Hopefully we will be doing that again in another hundred episodes. That's the plan. I wanted to go back and talk about some uh, feedback again on episode 199. That was before we did the uh, 200th episode celebration. That was the episode about McDonald's, and I wanted to share. Uh, A link on Instagram, it was on user, uh, it looks like Severed John, that is Severed, the word S-E-V-E-R-E-D-J-O-N, that is an account belonging to Johnny Russell, and Johnny emailed me to let me know that on Instagram he had posted some artwork that he had drawn uh, about McDonald's based on my episode, so there's lots of pictures of the, the... playground equipment and different characters. And there's a lot of fun stuff there. So if you're on Instagram, uh, you might go check out those pictures. I got a lot of feedback about that episode as well. The McDonald's feedback. And one thing I honestly did not realize was that I think McDonald's nostalgia is a United States, uh, phenomenon. I didn't really realize that, but I, I heard feedback from a lot of people, listeners in the UK that didn't find it particularly nostalgic, they enjoyed it, but they didn't have that experience. And I even saw some conversations about, um, you know, people from the UK finding it interesting that Americans were so nostalgic about a fast food restaurant. So it's hard to explain if you weren't there, but McDonald's was more than a restaurant when we were kids. The commercials were everywhere. The jingles were everywhere. The characters were everywhere. It was, uh, uh, is that the right word embedded embedded, maybe not embredded? <laughs> it's a different word, uh except for the chicken nuggets were breaded uh, also gosh, I forgot who told me this. I apologize, uh, but someone reminded me I had mentioned that birdie, the character on that came later, had something to do with chicken nuggets, which is kind of morbid if you think about it, but someone reminded me, and gosh, I just forgot who it was. I'm sorry that birdie was part of the early bird breakfast uh, that's when birdie was introduced so uh, got that wrong but I uh, I really enjoyed that episode that was a very nostalgic episode for me to do and I'm glad you guys liked it as well uh, along the uh, home front the power supply for my server died and uh, gosh it's been about a month now but I had to order a new power supply it's been a while since I've pulled the server out of the server closet and taken the case off and actually got in there with a screwdriver and and removed parts. I mean, power supplies other than RAM and and hard drives. I mean, it's, it's a very easy swap out. And the easiest thing to do is pull the old power supply out and put the new power supply in and then unplug things one at a time and plug the new one in where the old ones were. And then that's pretty easy to do. And I was able to get a power supply from Best Buy. And normally I would order something like that from Amazon, but when your home server is down and no one can watch movies and you can't get to your uh, home directory and all those things, uh, it's, uh, uh, time becomes more important than saving the money. So I did a curbside pickup at Best Buy and I got a replacement power supply and got that installed in. So uh, I forgot how long it's been since I've messed with hardware my, my main computer here is a tower that sits under the desk and I don't, um, you know, get down there and and work on it really. And the last few things, I just bought a capture card not too long ago, but it's USB and the joysticks that I have are USB. So it's not, I'm not plugging things in and out of the back of the computer these days. And I'm not replacing parts or upgrading RAM or hard drives. Everything just kind of hums along. So it was, uh, fun and and uh at the same time shakes the uh, cobwebs off just a little bit to get back in there so I, I enjoyed that in a way of course i was nervous the whole time uh, until i was sure that 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 uh replacement that was the actual part that it wasn't the motherboard but it worked and everything is back up and online uh another thing that i forgot to mention i mentioned this on twitter earlier today and i forgot to mention on the show but i was interviewed Uh, a couple of weeks ago by a gentleman named Mike Dancy, uh, who runs a podcast called the odd pod. And the, the odd pod is a, a podcast uh, by a podcaster where he interviews other podcasters. And it's very interesting if you probably, if you both, if you are a creator or if you are a consumer, of podcasts. He asked people how they got started podcasting. He asked them about their equipment, how they do their shows, their recording. So, if you're interested in the behind the scenes of how podcasting is done, it's a great show to listen to. And so, I had a great time talking with Mike, and I believe it is. I think it's episode 29 that I'm on. So I will add a link in the show notes uh or you can find uh The Odd Pod over on Twitter at the odd and that is a u d like audio the odd pod and then the number 1. So you could go check out uh, Mike's podcast and hear what other podcasters have to say about podcasting. I got some good news a couple of weeks ago about my other uh, podcast, which is Sprite Castle, my Commodore 64 podcast. I was contacted by Frank, the owner of Retro Rewind, and Frank told me that he wanted to sponsor my other podcast. And so Sprite Castle now has an official sponsor, which is Retro Rewind. Their URL is uh, RetroRewind.ca, and uh, Retro Rewind sells... Commodore computer parts and accessories. They have chips. They have um, wireless modems for the Commodore 64. They have lots of diagnostic cartridges and wire harnesses for testing and repairing Commodore computers. They have stuff for the 64, the 128. They have uh, stuff for, uh, gosh, even the the Commodore 16 and Plus 4. And then, of course, they have their line of Amiga stuff as well. So, um, But the, the... Best thing for me about that, and and uh, you know they they're supporting the show and they're sending me some free swag, some stuff for giveaways. I mean, it's all it's all great for me. And uh, the most exciting thing—I don't know why this was the most exciting thing for me—but they gave me my own discount code, so you can go to retrorewind.ca forward slash sprite castle, and that's all lowercase, and you get ten percent off your order. And there's something about that that really made me smile. It feels like. Um, you know something that I hear on on uh, big professional podcasts and so um it makes me feel important so you know even if you're ordering little things I guess ten percent can help out but if you go there, you probably buy big things too. (laughs) I know I've got a bunch of stuff that I'm eyeballing for next month when my, uh, PayPal money comes in. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, that, that's pretty exciting. And and that's good news for Sprite Castle because now the show is sponsored. I feel like I'm obligated to do it. (laughs) I got to keep doing the show. It's going to keep going. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that was pretty cool. Also, Gosh, since the last time I recorded You Don't Know Flack, boy, these NFTs, that has become a big deal all of a sudden. I remember reading an article uh, about these non-fungible tokens and trying to explain them to the other people in my life, non-technical people, and just getting that deer in headlights kind of stare. You know, you're like, no, 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 you, you know, through the blockchain, they track the ownership of digital media and people are just staring at you, you know, and, um, it, it's it 's very interesting to me it 's also very crazy to me that people would would pay for um, you know a picture of an atari cartridge uh, on on this week in retro they talked about some of the things Atari has been doing with nfts apparently overnight uh, Atari made about a hundred thousand dollars in selling nfts they auctioned off some uh, virtual centipede cartridges for the atari two thousand six hundred where the The lowest one was close to $7,000, um, which is crazy because you, you can barely sell a real centipede cartridge for a dollar or two. So it's a, a very, very interesting time right now uh, for the NFTs. I will be watching this unfold and see if they become true collectibles or if the bottom falls out of them just as quickly as they came up. I did find... Uh, a thing online that will allow you to make your own NFTs. And so I've been experimenting with that, believe it or not. And the first NFT I have uploaded is a collage of me and all my friends. So it's all these digital pictures that I have combined of me and Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Carrie Clanton, Chris Folds. Christopher Warren, Cal Bird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavy, Darren Folds, Dave Zilly, David Chambers, David Hearn, David Modalak, Eric Strianisi, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Graham Vebke, Jake Nonamaker, John Morrison, John Bodokar-Schaller, John Treholt, Jose Cazada, Joshua Eckroth, Mark Alley, Matt Hill, Matt Nicholson. Michael Dornbos, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Mr. Oaki, Olaf Hope, Patrick Markey, Rydar and Christopher Bow, Rick Reynolds, Roy Jacobs. Scott Lambert, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, Steve Sharippa, The Slow Norris, Vintage Volts, Zeke Pabsky, and The Mysterious Cobra Kai. I do have to admit that Cobra Kai is just kind of a, a blacked out uh, image. You, know, you can't really see the details of The Mysterious Cobra Kai. Um, unfortunately, those are not going to be my first NFT. Those are, in fact, my Patreon supporters for my podcast. So if you would like to support my podcast on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. And don't forget that all Patreons of my shows get behind the scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos retro gaming discord server, and other additional perks. If you don't want to support my show on Patreon, the best thing you can do for me is share links to the show on social media and like, and review my shows on iTunes. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave me a message on the podcast hotline at 405 486 YDKF. You know, I was a bit of a weird kid growing up. I liked going to the library in school. I loved reading. I liked writing in class. Uh, There's not a lot of school things that I didn't care for, but I know as a kid, you were supposed to be excited about recess. And for the most part, I was excited about recess, but I know to a lot of kids, it was the best time of the day. Now I've lived in Yukon uh, my whole life basically, or I went to school in Yukon, Oklahoma uh, my whole life. And I began school at a elementary school called Myers Elementary. And I went to Myers Elementary from kindergarten through fourth grade. And I certainly remember going to recess every single day. Uh, we would line up for lunch when it was time for lunch. Our teacher would line us up. If you brought your lunch box you were allowed to go to the front of the line. So everybody with lunch boxes went to the front of the line and the rest of us, if you had a, a charge ticket that they would give you that your parents would pay for a ticket that you put in the little machine and it, it would punch off uh, one layer every day that you got a lunch, you would line up behind those people. You would go to the cafeteria and line up at the tables and eat your lunch. And when your lunch was done, you had to get up and leave, put your tray up and go out for recess. Now at Myers, uh, there were three different areas where we played for recess. And the initial one, right when you went out, uh, left the school, was a large courtyard that was all covered in black asphalt. They called it blacktop. And the courtyard was shaped like a letter C. Actually, it's more like a letter G. Like there were three and a half walls surrounding uh, the blacktop area. And there were a few things to do in that area, a few activities. One, there were two tetherball poles. Now, I was never very good at tetherball, and I don't know where people learned how to play tetherball. All I remember about playing tetherball was being told I was breaking the rules all the time. If you weren't bubbling the the ball or if you were holding onto the rope, there were all kinds of weird rules that somehow I never seemed to know all the rules, so I didn't play very much tetherball. Uh, There was also a hopscotch area where people played hopscotch and there were you could go check out those red bouncy balls out of the PE room which was located right to the courtyard and sometimes people played kickball and sometimes people played four square you could get one of those balls and and go out there and play four square. Uh, I also remember in the courtyard doing a lot of jump rope. We had this plastic jump ropes that were, I don't even know what, how to describe them, but they were segmented. So they had like a million little uh, pieces. Each one was about an inch long plastic jump ropes, and they uh, came in a couple of different lengths. There was a, actually, there was a short one, there was a medium one, and then there were really long ones that you could use to double dutch or, you know, even to have just two people swing the jump rope and one person would go in and go out. So there was a lot of jump roping. I think that was a popular thing at that time. I definitely remember, you know, I went to Myers, So I started, uh, I don't think we would to, to recess in kindergarten. I think we just came home <laughs> instead of going to recess. Uh, but first grade for me would have started in 1979. Uh, and so 79, 80, 81, 82. Those were my primary years, uh, through 83 at Myers. And, um, uh, so I definitely remember bringing Star Wars toys. That would have been peak Star Wars for me, and bringing uh, ships. Uh, I brought my X-Wing fighter one day. I a lot of times we just brought Star Wars figures. We'd put them in our pockets, and during recess we would play on the, the asphalt area uh, with our Star Wars stuff, me, and I uh, would play with some other friends. Now, just outside the courtyard area was another large area that was also black asphalt. And that was where all the playground equipment was. Now, the first thing I remember seeing right in that area were the tire swings. And these were, you know, basically car tires that were held up with chains. There would be three chains that would hold these to a large frame. And there were two or three of those, and and they were hooked up in some fashion where they could rotate. So you could spin them forever. And so I remember, I remember riding on the tire swing. I remember spinning. That was a big thing, having people spin you and and uh, pushing or being pushed. And then, of course, there was the, um, the, and I think we got in trouble for doing this, but there was the running in between the swings and trying to dodge the swings. I don't remember anybody really getting walloped doing that, but I, it certainly doesn't seem like a good idea today. But the tire swings were um, definitely a big part of that. And then there were regular swings right next to that. And uh, I have this memory of people counting, like I think they would count to a hundred and then you would, you would have to get off the swing and uh, let someone else swing. So there was a uh, a swing shortage (laughs) in Oklahoma in the early eighties, apparently. And again, that was another thing, you know, you would, you would, uh, I remember running underneath people was the big thing. You would push people and they would swing up high enough and then you would run underneath them. Uh, as they went under. And of course, the other thing was to see how far you could jump out of the swing, which now sounds terrible. I have terrible knees, uh, and, uh, I don't want to jump out of a swing. I don't want to jump off anything. I, I don't want to, you know, really don't want to step too quickly off a curb. <laughs> so the idea of going as high as I can in a swing, uh, and jumping out of it, uh, yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't appeal to me these days. Uh, there were all, there was one big slide on the asphalt area, and you would climb up the slide. And then, of course, there were always people trying to run up the slide as you were coming down the slide. That seemed to be uh, a, a fun activity when we were children. Uh, so there was the big slide. There were also a giant set of monkey bars. And I have terrible upper body strength, even back then. Like, I could not make it all the way across uh, the monkey bars. The best I could do would be to... Uh, hold on to two different bars and just hang there until eventually I dropped. <laughs> but that was about uh, as far as I could go. I do remember um, walking across the top of the monkey bars, which seems very dangerous to me. Uh, now, a lot of this, looking back, seems pretty dangerous. But that was a, um, a a talent where you would get on top of the monkey bars and walk across them. Uh, I also remember hanging upside down from the monkey bars, you know, getting your... your uh, the back of your knee wrapped around a bar and then your feet under the next bar and just hanging there upside down until all the blood ran to your head for some reason. Um, not sure why we did that, but we did. And, um, I, I I have a specific memory about the monkey bars. There was a a time I was sitting in class and this, I would have been in, um, uh, gosh, probably third grade. And I remember a kid walking past our door, just crying and screaming uh, with a uh, uh, two teachers escorting him, and we found out that he had fallen. He was a, a year older than us, and he had fallen off the monkey bars and landed on his wrists and broke both of his wrists. And so uh, that we were, I think we weren't allowed to do as much on the monkey bars after that accident happened. But um, that's how the that's how the playground worked. Recess, you got to know your own limits. Nobody's going to stop you if you want to hang upside down until your head turns purple like a plum. You know, the teachers would let you do it. (laughs) I guess they figured you you would, you would know when to stop or you'd pass out. (laughs) Uh, Then we also had this big uh, wooden fort kind of thing. Uh, It was made out of like logs or like telephone poles. And, and um, there were all these different things. There was a fireman pole that you could slide down. There were different parts. There was a bridge. And the biggest thing I remember about that was there was a really wide slide uh, that came down. I mean, probably four or five kids, I feel, I feel like could, could go at the same time. And we, we made up this game where you would divide. It was kind of like Red Rover, but half the team uh, would be at the top and the other half would be at the bottom. And so the bottom people would try to run up the slide. And if they got to the top, then they were part of the of the top team. And so uh, our job at the top, if you were at the top, I seem to to remember more at the top than the the bottom of the slide. Um, But like if they ran up and grabbed onto something, you would just peel their fingers off so they would (laughs) fall backwards. Um, And then the ultimate sacrifice uh, would be you would just slide down the slide and take somebody out. You know, you'd kick their ankles while they were running up and then everybody would go flying. Uh, And then you would try to run back up the slide and your teammates would – you know, reach out their hand and, and pull you back up, but not, you know, anybody on the other team. So, um, <clears throat> this whole episode, like, I, I really can't say after every single thing that it sounds dangerous, but thinking back now that all these things do sound dangerous to me, um, uh, past the blacktop was a gigantic field and I, I'm bad at, at um, sizes, but maybe, a, a an acre, two acres. I don't know. It was a giant, really, really big area. There was a, uh, a baseball field in the corner, you know, um, there was a soccer field, just this big area where kids could go out and, and run. I remember playing soccer. I remember it being muddy sometimes. And, and you would come back in with um, muddy shoes and, and the teacher would make you wipe your shoes off. Um, we would we would go out there and play kickball sometimes. And in fact, for PE, we would go all the way out there to that little baseball diamond area, and, and we would play kickball. Um, this wasn't uh, on recess, but in that same area, we did land run day. Now, land run day is something that is very specific to Oklahoma, and I'll give you a brief history lesson, uh, as uh, people moved across the country, uh, as as they were settling and founding the United States, they, of course, uh, the early settlements were on the East Coast and they began to slowly move to the West. And as they uh, continued encountering uh, native Americans, they were eventually uh, moved. And and if you've never looked up or read anything about the trail of tears, it's one of the, the most heartbreaking things in this country's history. And they, they took native Americans and just marched them hundreds of miles into Oklahoma, which is of course where I live now. Um, and uh, you know, people, they died of hypothermia. They, I mean, it was just really, really awful time in this country's history. And uh, so these areas around Oklahoma were known as uh, Indian Territory, but they decided to turn it into a state as well so they they after all they they got all the Native Americans here and then they turned it into a state uh, also and so that was in uh, eighteen eighty nine and so that you have this border that that uh, the bottom part of borders Oklahoma is all kind of strange because it follows a river, the red river and um Uh, And so what they did was they made this, you know, big area around where Oklahoma was and they shot off a cannon and that became the land run and people ran into Oklahoma and claimed their land. But if you are uh, familiar with the story, you know that some people snuck over the night before or the day before and those people were called uh, Sooners because they, they went early. So they shot the cannon off. Right. And so that was the, uh, the boom, the cannon boom. And so those people, uh, we now refer to as boomer Sooners. And so that is also, uh, our, our largest college football team is the university of Oklahoma. They're the OU Sooners. Uh, and, uh, they say boomer Sooner and, and all that. So that, that's kind of how that, that, uh, ties together. And so, uh, one year we celebrated the land run, uh, at school and they basically, everybody had to bring like little stakes and string and we all went out there and we made our own little, uh, property, our own little land, uh, out there in the, in that big field. And a friend of mine, I had this friend and he brought a red wagon that he had decorated like, uh, an old time, you know, Western wagon. And so he had brought, put snacks and stuff in there. And so he and I teamed up and we went out and staked out our little area and we sat out there and ate and, and, uh, just a a really, really fun memory. I drive by this school all the time when I'm driving around Yukon and I still see that playground and I can see exactly where this friend of mine and I sat out there that day for the, uh, for land run day out there. Um, And it may have actually taken place, I don't remember if it was during the school day and and covered over recess, but it it was definitely in our playground. Um, The other thing I remember about the recess at Myers was uh, there was a, a flagpole, a small flagpole right outside the cafeteria. And every day when you came out of lunch, you looked at the flagpole. And what you hoped was that there was no flag there because no flag meant you could go outside and you could do whatever you wanted but sometimes if it had been raining, there would be a black flag hanging there. And the black flag meant you had to stay on the black top. So you could go out, you still had recess, but you had to stay on the black top. You couldn't go out where the dirt was because the dirt would be mud. But on the saddest of days, there would be a red flag and the red flag meant inside recess. So, on inside recess day, you went back to your classroom. This would be like if it was actually raining, uh, you know, like like actively raining. It would be a red flag day, so you would go back to your room. And those were not very exciting recesses. I remember uh, most of the teachers had small record players. And uh, if you knew it was going to be a red flag day, you could bring a record from home. I remember my teacher letting us play records. Um, I had a couple different 45s. I had some Queen 45s. I had uh, the Jay Giles Band Centerfold. I had I Love Rock and Roll. And so I would bring 45s if I knew it was going to be a red flag day and we would play those. Um, Most classrooms also had board games. I remember playing a lot of Connect Four and a lot of Checkers on red flag days, but, uh, but recess at, at Myers was pretty good, man. Uh, you know, again, you had that courtyard area and the front, then you had the extended blacktop area out back with lots of playground equipment. And then the final thing was, uh, the big dirt area. Um, one, one story that I remember, which wasn't really a recess, but it was after school, but it did take place uh, out there in the playground was, uh, after school, if you rode a bus, you, everybody went to the P.E. room, which was in a outside building like a big pod, and everybody sat in there, and then they had one or two runners, and what the runners would do – would be run out and see what buses were pulled up. And then you would run back to the room and say, okay, bus eight, (laughs) bus 31, whatever bus it was. And so you had two runners that were constantly running back and forth and everybody wanted to be a runner. I don't know why we wanted to be like today. I want to be a, not a runner. (laughs) I would argue not to be the guy that's outside running back and forth. Um, But the rule was, You could never deviate from that course. You had to run to where the buses were and then run back to the PE room. And one day, so I had volunteered. I was a runner and I ran out there and the other kid was running back and I looked and there was that slide, the big giant slide. And it was a windy day. I remember this like it was yesterday and it was probably, I was probably in second grade and the other kid was gone and I climbed up the ladder, and my my plan was just to climb up the ladder and slide down as fast as I could and then still get the bus numbers and then run back. And I climbed up that ladder just as fast as my little feet would go, push, 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 get up that. And I got to the top of that slide, and it seemed so tall, and the wind was just blowing my little hippie hair out of my eyes. <laughs> and And I remember just how far it seemed like you could see a lot further from the top of that slide and I saw the buses and then I looked over my shoulder and that other kid was coming out of the PE room. So I just slid down really fast, got the bus numbers and ran back in. And then that kid ran in and then I came back in and the PE teacher was standing there and he said, Robbie. (laughs) And I said, yes. And he said, did you go down the slide? And I said, "Yes." And he said, okay, have a seat. (sighs) That was it for me. I never got to be the runner again. Now I just had to sit in there with all the other kids in the pod and wait for my bus to be called. I lost runner privileges because I broke the rules and I climbed up the slide. But boy, did it feel pretty. I felt like, um, Lieutenant Dan (laughs) at the top of my shrimp boat. I just felt like I was on top of the world all the way on that top of the tallest slide in the playground by myself, had the whole playground to myself. It was just a great memory that came crashing down uh, a few moments later. So I remember, you know, going to Myers and uh, again, I started Myers in kindergarten and I went uh, through fourth grade and Myers went all the way to sixth grade. And of course what you wanted to be was a sixth grader because then you were king of the school, you know, I mean, you got to pick on everybody. You You, you ran the school and in between fourth and fifth grade, we were informed that they were rezoning some of the schools. And starting in fifth grade, we would be going to a new school called Sheedek elementary. And so we never were the the Kings of of Myers because we got shifted over to this new school called Sheedek. Now, Sheedek was, um, Probably, I mean, within half a mile, the same distance uh, from my house as Myers, but just a, you just take a different route. But I suppose they were just due to, you know, Yukon was growing. Yukon's always growing. It's a, it's a suburb community of Oklahoma City, and a lot of people um, like to live in Yukon and work in Oklahoma City uh Shedek is this really wide and narrow, or not deep, a narrow type school. It's like a uh, a really long or really wide rectangle that's not very deep. Uh, in fact, it's only like two classrooms deep, uh, one on each side. And the hallway it goes in the middle. Uh, but, it, but again, it's very wide. And so out back there was a blacktop area. And this school was older. It wasn't new when we went there. But there was a lot of playground equipment, but it was all like that old metal uh, type equipment. Like there, and there was one of those things that was like a half of a uh, of a geodome type thing that you could climb on, and people would you climb on the outside and climb on the underside. I remember that and. A jungle gym kind of thing, but it was all just old rusty metal kind of stuff. I do remember at She Deck, that was the area where we would break dance. Of course, this was uh, fifth and sixth grade for me, so this starts in 1983, so fifth grade is 83, 84, and the next year was 84, 85. So break dancing um, more when I was in sixth grade than fifth grade, um, but I remember other kids bringing their giant radios and and uh, sitting out there. I seem to remember listening to um, Purple Rain maybe uh, while we were out there listening to the Fat Boys. Just um, you know, different kinds of maybe early Run DMC, but uh, I, I remember that over and it was kind of on the side. Uh, that was kind of on the very end of the. The playground again. This was, uh, you know, kind of a concrete area. They also had tetherball again. Boy, tetherball! Boy, I just hate tetherball. I'm not a fan. Uh, <laughs> and then out behind the paved area was a gigantic field. It was probably twice as big as the field uh, that was out behind uh, Myers. And the but the edges of the field were people's backyards so it was just fences mostly chain link fences a few stockade fences um but uh so when you went out there it was just people's backyards you know that you were looking into and and you could get really far away from the school i remember you get so far away that you know the teacher would yell that recess was over and if you weren't paying attention you might not hear so you had to kind of pay attention uh to doing that now i will tell you one story that took place Uh, out in that side area. There was a a kid that was um, a year older than me, but I know he had been held back at least one year and possibly two. I remember he had a full mustache and he was in sixth grade and I was in fifth grade. And uh, I don't remember, I don't remember having any argument with this kid at all, but for some reason, we decided we were going to fight. And I think we were going to fight because I had been taking karate. And so it was one of those things where he was a bigger kid and he was just going to, you know, teach me a lesson. And, uh, so before school, we were over on the side of the playground and, uh, you know, I got in my little fighting stance and I was already, and this guy just beat me really bad. (laughs) Like I remember, uh, I, I don't know if he threw me into a fence or ran my face on the fence. I remember my face being on the fence <laughs> at some point, my shirt got torn, uh, and, uh, I had a bloody nose. And so, uh, you know, then the bell rang and it was time for school to start. And so I went to my class and my hair was all messed up. My shirt was ripped. I had this bloody nose. I was trying to stop with probably a piece of paper or something stupid. And my teacher said, uh, I heard that you were out there fighting. And I was like, well, I wasn't fighting. I was really kind of getting beat up, you know. And she said, well, you need to go talk to the principal. And so I left the classroom and I went to the bathroom and I sat in the bathroom for 10 minutes. And I cleaned my nose up and I cleaned my hair up. And uh, when I was done, after 10 minutes, I went back to the classroom. And the teacher said, well, what did the principal say? And I said, he said not to get beat up again. And I guess that was a good enough answer because I never heard anything else about it again. Um, but, uh, and, and I don't remember being necessarily afraid of that kid. I, I, I don't, it wasn't like he, he stalked me every day or whatever. It just was one of those days where it was like, well, now it's your turn and you're going to get it. And uh, I could tell you that I got it. And it was like fighting a grown man. <laughs> It was not, uh, not a good fight. So the, the playground at Sheedek was not very good. I mean, there, there wasn't very many, uh, playground equipment. There wasn't, you know, big slides. There wasn't anything, but across the street from Sheedek is a giant park. I mean, like the biggest park in our town was across the street. And so a lot of times for recess, instead of going to that crappy playground on the side of the school, we would get to go to the park. So first of all, you had to walk out of the front of the school through the parking lot all the way down to the street. And then there's a big crosswalk and someone would have to stand there and, and, and get us across uh, the crosswalk. But once we were there, there was an entire park. Um, on the left-hand side of the park were, um, basketball courts. There's two basketball courts there. Uh, there were swings and slides and all kinds of things like that. Uh, in the park, there was a giant area in the back where we had, um, a soccer field. There were soccer goals. And I remember going back there and playing soccer. I remember one time during recess, I was playing soccer. And, um, there was this, this, uh, kid in our class who for some reason, uh, I don't know why, but he just developed early. He was the other kid. He was the only kid in our grade with a mustache and this is, you know, fifth or sixth grade. Uh, he, he was just a, a giant of a, of a kid. And, um, he, uh, was really good at soccer because he was, you know, a foot and a half taller than everyone and, and muscular, you know, he was just, he was like a man, and I was uh, playing goalie, and so this this kid was uh, uh bringing the ball down the field. I knew he was going to try to score, and then he kicked the ball as hard as he could. And I jumped up to block the kick, and the ball hit me r- like right in the kidney and just took my breath out. I remember laying on the ground, and I just – could not breathe. I was just gasping for and I hated that feeling as a kid just to get the wind knocked out of you. And I remember that, that kid standing there and lifting my, my waist up by the, the belt loops. He's like, you're going to be all right. You know, uh, and then got in his car and drove. No, he didn't. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. Uh, I also remember, uh, that was, you know, there was one teacher that would go over there and watch us or maybe two teachers and, You had two classes or three classes full of kids in an entire park. So it was mostly unsupervised. Like you could go off with your friends and and walk around the park and do different things and and nobody would see you, you know. And uh, it seems to me like a lot of romance happened during those recesses. Um, You know, people walking around holding hands, you would see that. Or you'd see some girls swinging and the boys pushing her, you know. And boy, there was this girl that I had a crush on. We're just going to call her Kay. And Kay, um, I remember she used to wear these overalls, and I just thought she was so cute. And uh, and Kay had this friend uh, that was really mean, and they were inseparable. So anytime I tried to get close to Kay, uh, her friend would just, you know, pick on me or do something. Her friend was about a foot taller than me. And so um uh I remember being over on during recess one time and I had gone over there and the two of them of course were sitting on this bench talking and I went over and I said, "Kay, can I talk to you for a minute?" and she said, "Sure." And we were we were like right on the edge where the park ended and and uh, that park connects to a big area called the Nature Trails and it's a kind of a preserve area. So there's a lot of trees and and weeds on the edge and different types of of plants and bushes and stuff. And so uh, I walked over to the side and, uh, I was going to ask her to be my girlfriend. I was going to ask Kay, um, if she would, uh, go with me. I didn't know what that meant, but that's what all my friends said. They're like, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm going with a girl. And I'm like, all right, I got to go with a girl. I don't know what that means, but I got to ask this girl. She'll go with me. And, um, so I walked over to the edge, right on the edge of like where the nature trails kind of started. And I said, can I talk to you for a minute? And she said, sure. And I just remember looking into her eyes. She um, just had these dark eyelashes and, and just the, uh, like I said, I remember she was wearing those overalls. I just love that uh, that look, you know. And uh, I was getting ready to ask her if she would go with me. And all of a sudden, she stepped forward and pushed me. And what I didn't realize is that her stupid friend was on all fours behind me. And so it was the trick where I fell over the friend and I landed in a giant bush full of stickers and uh, like those big cocklebur type stickers. I had them in my hair, I had them all in my shirt and the two of them cackled and cackled as they walked away and they laughed. They thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And so, um, it was a romance that was not destined to be, I did not ask, uh, K out again. And, uh, I didn't care for a stupid friend either. (laughs) So there you go. Um, I'll tell you one other story that's, that's, uh, I don't, I I can't even explain. Sometimes like uh, I tell these stories like from childhood and I sound terrible. And like, you know, uh, I think a lot of Commodore comes off that way where, where people were like, oh, this, this guy was terrible. And you go, well, I was 12, you know? Or, uh, you know, I was a little kid and we were little kids squabbling, which is what little kids did. And you see the pictures of me as an adult and you think, oh, this guy's an adult. But, you know, it's stories from from childhood, you know. And there was this girl in my class and I'm just going to call her B. And B was just about the homeliest girl I ever saw. I mean, I think she would have been right at home uh, on the farm. She could probably, you know, lift a tractor while someone... Changed the tire, you know, but she was, uh, not the girl for me. And she was not the girl, unfortunately for, I think anyone in, in our, our class. Um, and I'm sure now if I were actually, well, I, 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 uh, years later, I delivered a pizza to her. She did not recognize me and, um, uh, it seemed like she was doing just fine in life. And and I really felt bad because a lot of kids were, were mean to uh, be, um, but, kids started coming up to me in the playground one day and, uh, uh, telling me that B was going around telling everybody that she was my girlfriend and that I was her boyfriend. And, uh, of course then that made me the laughing stock, you know? And so I, I, went and I cornered her and I said, are you, are you telling people that, that, you know, I'm your boyfriend? And she said, no, no, no. And I said, you know, listen, I go to karate and if I find out that's what it is, I will beat you up. And she said, no, no, no. And so I said, okay. And that was, that was the end of it. You know, fortunately I, I was not uh, forced to beat up this girl <laughs> who had no friends and certainly could have used a friend in life, um, or at least in elementary school. But, um, I think back about now, I think what a terrible person I was to, um, threaten to beat up a girl, um, for saying that she was my girlfriend. Um, when of course I didn't have a girlfriend, uh, for many, for before that, or for many years after that. Uh, so in my head, I decided no girlfriend was, was better than BB, my girlfriend. Uh, but, uh, I, I feel, uh, terrible about that, about that confrontation. And like I said, years later, uh, when I was uh, working for pizza hut, I saw an order and it had, uh, she had a very unique name and I thought, Oh, I said, I'm going to take that, and uh, I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know if I would apologize to her. I didn't know if she would recognize me, Um, but uh, like I said, she seemed to be doing fine in life, and I gave her pizza, and um, I think she gave me a dollar tip or something. So there you go. That's the end of the story uh, that happened years later. Um, The uh, other thing I have to mention about uh, that playground is that they had an even larger Wooden play area. Um, you know, again, I think they make these things out of telephone poles or something, uh, but it had all the same stuff. It had the the fireman thing that you could slide down. It had the uh, the rickety bridge that, you know, you could get somebody to stand on one side. It was all held up with chains. and You jumped on the other side and try to launch them into the air. Um, it had the the curved bars that went up that you could climb out of slime. And uh, during recess, we played Tag uh, on that thing. And I think, um, it was as similar as the rules for Marco Polo, uh, in the pool, which was, you could get off the thing to run to a different area. But if whoever was it saw you, uh, and, and, uh, said, you're in the sand or fish out of water or whatever, uh, then, um, then you were busted, but we would just run all around that thing. You know, I remember, uh, you know, you, you would sit there by the, the slide. And if they came by, you'd go down the slide and then jump over to the monkey bars and climb your way back up and just spending all of recess, just running around in circles. Um, you know, like a bunch of hamsters, just with nothing to do, just running around this <laughs> playground equipment. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely, uh, I have taken my kids to that park. My kids actually went to that same school. They went to Sheedek later uh, when they were in elementary school and went to the same park and played in the same playground. Uh, of course, the the park had been upgraded since, uh, since I had gone there. So good for them. They, they got even uh, a more fun experience, but it, it's uh, definitely interesting to see these places going back to them uh, as an adult. But uh, yeah, they got to play, play in the park too. So uh, after, uh, You know, I I went to Myers from K through four, and then every every school after that, I went to for two years. So I went to Sheedek for fifth and sixth. Then we had middle school, which was seventh and eighth. And then we had a mid high, which was ninth and 10th. And then our high school was 11th and 12th. So every school uh, was only two grades. So the next school for me was uh, IMS, Independence Middle School. And that was seventh and eighth grade only. And they had a... They did not have a playground that I recall per se in in the sense that there were play you know slides and ladders. They they just didn't have any of that. I guess they figured by the time you're in middle school, uh, you didn't want that. You know Uh, what they did have in the middle of the school was this courtyard, and there were benches that you could sit on. Um, And so everybody would go into the courtyard after uh, after lunch. So you'd, you'd finish your lunch. And then go to the courtyard and either sit on a bench or walk around, talk to people or whatever. Um, my memory and i 've been there again, my kids went to this school as well it's all it reminds me of like the courtyard at a, at a prison <laughs> like you 're surrounded on all four walls, so you can't go anywhere and you're surrounded by school on all four walls but but uh, you're just you know kind of caged in the middle of this area, and you can walk around for the remainder of lunch. Um, I do remember a few kids playing tag, but that kind of seemed like an immature thing to do. I don't think, um, uh, it was, uh, uh, I think it was kind of looked down upon, you know, the kids that were playing tag kind of seemed like little kids. Um, uh, mostly it was socializing. That was where you met up with whatever your social group was, you know, and literally the guys that I talk about, uh, on this podcast, my buddy, Jeff, my buddy, Andy, uh, my buddy, Scott, we hung out on that courtyard in seventh grade. I mean, we were already friends. We were already hanging out there. Um, I do remember that there were different kinds of, I'm going to say this mysteriously business transactions that took place. One of those things was I bought several Chinese throwing stars, (laughs) like ninja throwing stars, on or in that courtyard like a kid would say hey i have um you know i have these these throwing stars and uh and so you would bring a few bucks or whatever and so i bought chinese throwing stars that i went home and, and used uh you know threw into the the fence and, and things like that but i bought those um there was also uh candy sales and you were not supposed to sell candy and i had friends later on that uh went into almost a full-time candy business. And I got involved in that because my mom had a Sam's card. And so we would go to Sam's club and we would buy things like everlasting gobstoppers and atomic fireballs. And, um, and the teachers were pretty strict about, well, any kind of candy, if they caught you, you had to throw it out, but definitely gum. They did not want gum because, you know, gum gets stuck to desks and walls and things like that. Um, so you never had any suckers. You wouldn't buy blow pops or anything because the the stick would give you away. But so I definitely remember there were kids, uh, you know, you can imagine like, like, um, you know, 12 year old drug dealers, kids with, uh, trench coats on and they would open it up and be like, you know, I got you gobstopper. I got you whatchamacallit, you know, three Reese's for a dollar, you know, what do you want? <laughs> just selling uh, uh underground candy, Uh, in the, uh, middle of the courtyard. Um, I also remember, uh, trading software. And so you would tell kids, you know, Hey, I'll bring you a copy of this. And uh, this is probably eighth grade. I'll bring you this disc and you bring me this disc. And then, you know, these are kids that you might not have in normal classes, but you always saw them every day in the courtyard. And so you would bring floppy disks full of games and, and uh, you know, you, you they would give you disks and you would give them disks. And that was just a... Uh, a place to exchange uh, different things, but I definitely remember bringing floppy disks, like carrying a little folder or trapper keeper with me and having disks in there and, and dishing them out and, and getting other kids' disks. Um, but this is also the first year uh, at IMS, is where I remember starting trying to skip recess. Uh, One of the things we were allowed to do sometimes was go to the library. Now, this school is what we would call today like an open plan, like an open plan house. So uh, it was set up with these different pods, and there were different hallways where there were pods of classrooms, but the whole middle of the school was the library, but it wasn't a room. It was just random shelves with books on it that you walked through, like in between classes if you're going from one pod to another you would walk through this open area, which also served as the library. And so the teachers would sometimes let you go to the library. In fact, I remember specifically that we weren't allowed to do that at first. And I think one of my parents complained and said, you know, literally my kid wants to, wants to read at school. Let's let him do that. And so I think if, if you had a note or something, they would let you go to the library and, I don't remember too much, like doing that real often, but I do remember specifically that our library had a, like a, a big section of choose your own adventure books. And I would go read, I would go in the library and read choose your own adventure books. That was a, a big, uh, uh, thing that I would do during recess. And that does remind me, I didn't, I didn't uh, plan to do this, but, Um, you know, what? now that I mention this, it may be one of their Patreon only episodes. I'm not sure, but the, uh, uh, Robin and Darren from growing up eighties just did an episode. I think it is their Patreon episode. So you would have to um, sign up to support them on Patreon, but they just did an episode where they read, they took turns reading, choose your own adventure books. And the other one got to choose, uh, the way along the adventure. And, uh, it was really fun to listen to. So it brought back uh, memories, you know, of that time. So that was one thing we did, but also there was a, uh, a pod outside the school, just outside one of the doors. That was the gifted pod. There were two pods there. One was, uh, for band and the other one was the gifted room. And so we were also allowed, if you were in gifted to skip recess and go back to the gifted room, because there were certain things you could do there. Uh, There was a class, well, for the whole uh, year, there was a class for journalism and I was taking the journalism class. They had an Apple II computer in there. I probably talked about this in the Apple II episode, but they had print shop and they had a newsroom, which they used to lay out the newspaper on. And I had an apple so i knew how to do everything and if you brought your own games they would also let you play on the apple and, and i think we still had some uh, apple games at that point well we still still had our apple um at that point so i remember playing load runner and and um you know there was no joystick but so it had to be but a lot of i would say most apple 2 games support uh, keyboard and so i would do that at recess sometime but the other big thing that started happening in the gifted room was there was a small group of friends, my friend, Stony, uh, Jim, Tim and, uh, Brian. So, and I was kind of the fifth guy. Um, but we would go in there and play different types of board games. And these are the guys, um, we would play risk sometimes, um, we would play chess i remember playing stratego a few times but the the big thing that we played was car wars uh and and we had this big map and uh car wars was a um a role playing type game uh you know not role playing as much but you basically bought a car and you built a car and got weapons and you rolled and you uh had graph paper that represented the track and then you would move these cars around the track and, and shoot guns and, and try to be the guy either that won the race or or blew up all the other cars and so we did that a lot but i spent a lot of recesses doing that back in that room playing games with those guys um, some of those guys i ended up playing dungeons and dragons with uh, even starting around that time and definitely later but i don't remember ever playing and D. In that room I don't think that was a thing for us uh, not yet, but Car wars uh, definitely was uh, so that was pretty much my recesses at IMS again uh, hanging out in the courtyard uh, being forced to socialize a little bit more than actual activities like like playing on playground equipment uh, and then of course going inside and playing those games. Uh, So after two years of there, we moved to the mid high and that was ninth and 10th grade. And every grade up until this, the best I can remember, the minute you were done eating, you were forced to go to wherever the recess was. So you weren't allowed to just sit at the lunch table and then hang out and talk with your friends. The minute you were done eating, they would be like, all right, you're done eating, go outside, get, you know, uh, but. Ninth and 10th grade, I think that changed. Um, I remember going to the cafeteria and finishing my food and still sitting there and talking to my friends. I remember doing homework that I had due in the afternoon, sitting in the cafeteria and doing that. So I don't think in ninth and 10th grade we were necessarily rushed out the door Uh, for recess. And I don't even remember if they still called it recess, but after you were done eating, most people would go out back behind the school. Now there was no um, official area for us. I mean, there was no courtyard. There was no uh, playground stuff. There was nothing like that, but there was a giant circle drive that then had a big Island of grass in the middle. And the circle drive is where the buses would come and drop students off. But we would go out back and just hang out in that circle drive area, you know. Um, One of the the big rules was you were not allowed to go out to the parking lot. Uh, I turned 16 right before my junior year, but a lot of kids turned 16 Their sophomore year. And so there were kids that were driving to school, but it was a big no no. You were not allowed to go because the parking lot was right there, but you were not allowed to go out to your car. You couldn't get things. You couldn't go out there and sit and listen to your radio. Uh, It it was off limits. And so there were always teachers, uh, you know, watching that area to make sure nobody wandered out to the parking lot. Uh, I do have one funny memory about, uh, you know, I guess I'd still call it recess out in that area is that uh, uh we were out there one time and this uh this kid there was this kid you know those problem kids i mean he was just a problem he was always getting in fights he was always uh you know he was the the pull the fire extinguisher or the the um, fire alarm kid he was the you know just always i think he got actually i believe he got uh either suspended uh or what's worse than uh, suspended expelled Like, I think he got expelled for chasing somebody with scissors. Um, But uh, anyway, he stole this girl's purse and then threw it up on the roof. Like he went around the corner and threw it on the roof of the school and then immediately went inside the school and got on the payphone and called in a bomb threat and said that there was a bomb on top of the school that was hidden in a purse. And so... I remember the principal came out there, I think, or maybe a maintenance guy, and they put a ladder, and they got up on top of the roof, and they saw the person. They went down, and they called the police, and the police and the fire department came, and it it was a big to-do, and everybody knew who did it. We all saw him do it. Um, but I don't. I think he got suspended for that. But then uh, later in the year, he was chasing this girl with a pair of scissors, and uh, he got expelled for that one. So, but um, yeah, there normally wasn't a lot of action <laughs> outside during recess time uh, in ninth and tenth grade. But I do, I do remember that happening. Uh, and then in eleventh grade, we moved next door. That there was a, a small. There was some tennis courts and a small, uh, like a two lane little drive area and then was the high school and that was where we went uh to 11th and 12th grade so it was right next door that the parking lots connected and um in high school we had open campus we were allowed to leave for lunch we got uh, about an hour for lunch just under an hour and so um If you've heard me talk about the nasty pirates or or reference the nasty pirates, again, that's me and Jeff and Scott and Andy, all of us, and we all had uh, uh, CB radios in our cars. So uh, starting in 11th grade, I mean, we put them in our cars so that uh, when it was open campus, when it was lunchtime, we would all run to our cars and then get on the radio and tell each other where we were going for lunch because we didn't, you know, have class together uh, right before lunch. So we would say, hey, we're, everybody's going to Taco Bell or everybody's going to Ken's Pizza, and then we would all, you know, go and meet for lunch. So that, that was how the Nasty Pirates actually got started. Um, but, yeah, because there was an open campus, there was no cafeteria at the high school. So uh, if you want to add <laughs> – um, you know, uh, embarrassment to uh, punishment. That's not the right way to say that, but, uh, uh, injury. Uh, you, uh, if you didn't have a ride for lunch, if you wanted to eat at the school, you had to walk next door and eat with the ninth and tenth graders, and nobody wanted to do that. So I definitely remember people, you know, even, uh, kids in my class that were casual friends that would say, "Hey, can I go to lunch with you? Can I get a ride or something?" And you would give it because you know you didn't want anybody to have to go go next door to um, uh, you know sit with the kids. Uh, but the other thing was, across the street from our school was uh, Dairy Queen, and it was the only fast food restaurant within walking distance. And now there are twenty restaurants within walking distance, uh, you know. But at that time. Dairy Queen was the only place that you could walk to. And so, again, you had to go out and, and uh, go across the crosswalk and go over there. But but um, uh, the Dairy Queen served as two, play, as two uh, functions. One was sometimes people would walk over there for lunch, which, of course, we all thought were losers because the only reason you would go there is if you didn't have a car and couldn't get a ride with anybody. So it was like two strikes. Um, but that was also the place to smoke. So a lot of kids would go over there and smoke at Dairy Queen and somebody would stand outside because you could see, you know, you could see anybody coming from the school for, you know, I mean, hundreds of yards. So if a a teacher was coming over, they would, everybody would uh, put out their cigarettes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was, um, uh, the two reasons that you would go to Dairy Queen, but. By the time I got to that school, recess was really over. Recess became, uh, you know, driving somewhere for lunch and, and eating lunch with your friends. And so the social, the social aspect of school was not about going out and, and playing on the slides anymore. It was about meeting up at restaurants, or um, you know, we would go to my friend Scott's uh, house. He lived the closest to the school uh, from any of us, and so we would. Sometimes we would, uh, you know, run through a drive through and then go to Scott's house and sit there. And so that that kind of became, that replaced um, the recess for us. So um, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, I, I lived in Yukon. I grew up in Yukon and, and I moved away and then I came back and, and my kids both uh, went to Yukon as well. And uh, they've gone to some of the same schools that I went to. Now they've gone to some newer schools uh, that I, I didn't get a chance because they they were too new. They weren't there when I was a kid. But um, my kids went to Shedeck, uh for six years, seven years. I mean, kindergarten through sixth grade. And they got to play on the same playground equipment that I played on. They got to go to IMS and hang out in that same courtyard. They used to go to a uh, after-school program and wait until we got off work and we could pick the kids up and he had to walk through the courtyard to get there so every time i walked through there i would i would tell my wife you know yeah that's where you know i got my copy of donkey kong this kid right there we were standing right there and he gave me a copy of it <laughs> so you know what? there's a funny story about that uh, courtyard and that uh there there was this one kid if if you um there was always a kid that would hang around that would just tell stories that nobody believed you know And we had that kid, uh, and he was not really a direct friend of ours, but like a, you know, uh, but he was into computers as well, into Commodore computers. And so he would always say, well, he's got better games than we do, but he couldn't be bothered to bring them. You know, it it was that kind of kid. And um, I remember one day we were out there talking about computer games, and he said that he had a copy of Dragon's Lair for the Commodore 64 that looked just like the arcade version, which of course we we know is impossible, right? And um we were all like, oh really? I said, well why don't you bring it? You know, and he says, well I can't, because it takes a hundred floppies. <laughs> and we were like, you're so full of it, man. And he was like, Really? Really? You know? And uh now um you know later on, like I had other run-ins with that same kid and uh, you know, I, I ran into him in college and he was still telling stories like that, you know? And so you go, yeah, what do you do? (laughs) You just laugh about it. But, um, uh, yeah, that, that, I remember that, uh, that happened in the courtyard there as well. So, but anyway, yeah, like I said, my, my kids have gone to some of those same playgrounds. They got to go to the park uh, across she deck. They got to go to that courtyard. Um, they even go to, um, uh, they both went to the, the mid-eye. They don't, they don't, uh, um, go to the same high school cause there's a new high school. So I don't know what uh, they do there for recess, but, uh, they even got to go to where the uh, circle drive was where the, where the big bomb threat was back then. So, uh, it's kind of neat to uh, drop your kids off at the same schools that, that you went to. And, um, hopefully they someday will have as many great memories of, uh, school recess as I have. So up another episode of you don't know flack thanks again for listening uh, don't forget if you have feedback about this or any episode of the show you can always email me directly at RoboHare at Robo'haircom you can join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcast follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave me a message on the podcast hotline at 405 486 YDKF don't forget that all Patreons of my shows get behind the scenes blog posts weekly videos access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. You Don't Know Flack is available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and the RSS feed at podcast.robohara.com. To hear more podcasts from me like Sprite Castle, Cactus Flax, throwback reviews, and multiple sadness, visit podcast.robohara.com. Thanks again for listening. Now get outside and go have some fun and I'll talk to you next week on You Don't Know Fly. Let's see, we got uh, the next channel points redemption I have to do is um, Weird Paul insults you going out to Rob O'Hara. And, uh, you know, if you have enough channel points, you can use them to get me to insult you. If that's your thing, if you like being insulted by... Uh, Social media influencers or by rock stars come to the right place. That's exactly what's going to happen. Rob O'Hara, you are a needle nose pliers head. (laughs) Yep. And the ones that don't close all the way anymore, too.